This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Democrat Laura Curran, the first woman elected county executive on Long Island, breaking a glass ceiling and vowing to break with the past. Laura Curran joining us live. It's Cut to the Chase with Laura Curran. Entertaining and informative. Thought-provoking conversations that get right to the point. Observers say her future is bright. You're here to tell us more about it, Laura Curran. Now here's Laura Curran. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. It still gives me goosebumps. You recognize that 2001 Space Odyssey. With all this talk of AI, I keep thinking of Hal (laughs) taking over. Um, And it also reminds me of a recent New York Times op-ed that uh, was, was quite alarming. Quote, we have summoned an alien intelligence. We don't know much about it, except that it is extremely powerful and offers us bedazzling gifts, but could also hack the foundations of our civilization. We'll get to that in a little bit. I'll talk to a tech expert about how AI is becoming more entrenched in our lives. Maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it's a bad thing. We'll talk to Adam Kovacevic. Excuse me, Kavakovich, about that shortly. Um, Also, we look into why it's more expensive to build in New York than almost anywhere else in the country. And a conversation about the polemicist, intellectual, iconoclast Christopher Hitchens, who went after everyone from Mother Teresa to the Clintons and would have turned 74 this week if he were still alive. Uh, Today, before we get into all of that, To all of the children of Abraham, this is a special day and week and month of joy and community and renewal. Of course, we're celebrating Easter Sunday today. We're right in the middle of Passover week, and we're right in the middle of Ramadan, uh, a Muslim holiday of prayer, fasting, and reflection. And I don't know about you, but there's something that comes alive in me in the springtime. I feel in the winter the spark dims, the flame is down, but it comes back up and I start to feel more optimistic. I wonder if you feel that way too. Um, so all of these religions, of course, created by human beings, or some might say by God, uh, but practiced by humans, will AI change or destroy any of that? Um, I want to bring in the CEO and founder of Chamber of Progress, Adam Kavakovich. Have I got that right, Adam Kavakovich? That's right. Thanks All right. for having me. You got it. Uh, Chamber of Cro- Progress, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's sort of like a chamber for the tech industry, a uh, mission to make sure that all Americans benefit from this, this ever-evolving, quickly-evolving world of tech. That's right. I'm a, I'm a tech optimist. Uh, and on generally, technology has benefited uh, society or communities for the better. But it doesn't mean that we should have like untrammeled technology, that we should have no rules, no regulation. I don't think anybody wants that. But I do think that there are uh, countless examples of, of technology having made life better for us. And so I, I'm in a hopeless uh, 
technology optimist. And you're also a former Google exec, so you've been in the business. You know, you know what it's all about. So, you know, the Times goes on, that op-ed that I was referring to goes on to say that AI could rapidly eat the whole of human culture, everything we have produced over thousands of years, digest it, and begin to gush out a flood of new cultural artifacts, not just school essays, but political speeches, ideological manifestos, holy books for new cults, new religions. Um, also warning by 2028, the U.S. presidential race might no longer be run by humans. Is this a true danger, potential danger, uh, they say maybe, you know, about 10 percent chance of this potentially happening. Or is this just chicken little clucking about how the sky is falling? Well, I think the way that I like to think about it is that kind of whenever you have any new technology emerge, um, there tend, the first stage tends to be kind of a hype uh, peak where people talk about the new technology as if it's going to change everything. It's going to you know, cure cancer. It's going to transform human existence. But there's generally uh, kind of a lot of positive hype. And then the next phase, what happens uh, usually is that someone abuses the technology. And this always happens. Every technology developed for, for good purposes gets abused by someone. Um, once something starts getting abused, then there are always some voices who say, we should chuck this thing overboard. We should halt its development. We should halt it in its tracks. And, um, and, and, I, and then I think what happens many, many times is that once you get past that peak of hype or in sort of the pit of, um, of criticism, you move towards a phase where really the new technology, you figure out what it's good for, what it's not good for. You set clear rules of the road. Sometimes that's through regulation. Sometimes it's more through like standards and norms. Mm -hmm. And we just live with it. We incorporate it in daily life. I think that's closer to the experience we'll have. I tend not to believe sort of the, the the peak of hype, nor like the pits of criticism either. Right. And, and AI really is already starting to become braided into our lives. If you use Siri or Alexa or you play interactive video games, if you wear an Apple Watch or a Garmin to track your fitness, uh, and if you use social media, you're already living with AI. That's exactly right. I think this is, you know, we have a new phase of what's called generative AI. We can talk more about that, where sort of new new uh, chat answers and new images and movies are being created out of sort of whole cloth. But you're absolutely right. I mean, just to use a practical example, for anyone who uses Gmail, Gmail for several years now has ha had a feature, I think they call it Smart Compose, where when you start, you start typing in Gmail, um, sometimes G Gmail will suggest words to you based yeah. on millions upon billions of either other emails that they've seen and scanned. And they just have learned how people tend to write and talk. And darn it, if that's not right exactly what I want to say a lot of the time, right? I know. That's, that's artificial intelligence, right? It's a time saver. And so I think, like, to me, that's an example of an artificial intelligence application that um, maybe when people first uh, heard about it might have freaked some people out. But I, now that people have used it, I think people probably view it as, helpful and, and in some cases just benign. Um, and so I think that like that's what we'll probably end up, a lot of AI applications will be. It'll be these things that sort of, you know, are, help us around sort of the edges, not transform, you know, everything we do. What did you make of that recent open letter by Elon Musk, uh, Steve Wozniak, the founder, one of the co-founders of Apple, Andrew Yang, about a thousand tech leaders wrote an open letter urging uh, quite 
with quite a bunch, a bunch of alarm there, a pause mm-hmm. to AI, warning of profound risks to societies, and that the developers are, quote, locked in an out-of-control race to develop and deploy, deploy ever more powerful digital minds. Uh, what did you make of that? Pause. Well, to some, yeah, to some extent, I think I understand the what I guess would be, I think for every sort of peak of hype, it's healthy to have some skepticism. And so it's health, It's healthy for people to voice worries, concerns, criticism. I think that makes a ton of sense. I don't think it's realistic, and it's really not realistic at all, for there to be a complete pause in AI development. One of the things that I think may may have been going on with some of the you know companies and organizations who signed that letter is that they – they're companies that maybe want to take a more cautious approach to AI development. Maybe they, they're behind. And, you know, I don't think that's a good reason to stop or slow down. Having said that, I do think that these applications being experiment, you know, being, being let loose in the wild are, they're really kind of almost educating us about like, what, what are the potential perils? What are the situations that we have to guard against, again, through, through rules, norms, through regulation? That's good. I mean, I think for as much testing as goes in goes into uh, Chat GPT or Bard or Dolly or any of these new tools, sometimes it's it's impo- Most times it's impossible to know how people will use them and how people might abuse them too. And so I think that like these use the, the way that people are using and in some cases abusing the services are just educating us about where we might need to have rules in place in the future. I'm Laura Curran. I'm speaking with Adam Kovakovich. He is CEO and founder of Chamber of Progress, and we're talking on Cut to the Chase about AI. So what about this whole idea that AI will be running campaigns, maybe producing religions, uh, really eroding at the foundations of our very human civilization? You know, I tend to believe that we human beings will always try, will always naturally find a way for our humanity to be preserved, right? Mm-hmm. Really, in the face of, uh, you know, just we we don't want to turn everything over to bots, right? We live, we love, we have personal relationships. You know, we 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 crave in person contact, and. You know, and I and so I just I think that that will prevail. I, I, I'm thinking about the fact, for example, I remember years ago, a friend told me that his daughter grew really tired of going to high school parties where everybody was on their phone. Oh yeah. And the the girl on her own decided to host a party, but the rule was you had to put your phone in the basket, and not because they were worried about safety or anything like that, just because they wanted to actually spend time with each other. <laughs> And this is to me, and this was not an adult who had forced this idea on the teenagers, by the way, right? Yeah, I love this that it's coming from the kids. Exactly, and but the fact that it was coming from the kids kind of tells me that this is this is a real human instinct that we, you know, when, when we say things, well, uh, before the machines will take over, it's like no, we really, I think most of us really um, are are very, you know, we're protective of our humanity and and. And in all of the things that make us human and not machines, and I think that we will continue to protect that. It doesn't say you shouldn't be on guard, but I just – I think that is true. I think holding on to our humanity is incredibly important. I shouldn't – you shouldn't even have to say that. But because, you know, AI some, sometimes comes across, at least to me, as sort of the ultimate sociopath, exploiting mm-hmm. our weakness, 
while being able to fake these intimate relationships with us, predicting what we're going to say, knowing how we're going to feel, knowing what will trigger us or make us passionate about something, that, I don't know if that's something I want to give over to a non-human kind of intelligence. Well, the reality is that we've had this in less sophisticated forms too, right? You know, you think about like email scams, right? The email that says, you know, I'm a Nigerian prince and I need yeah. I need your this has been going that's not an AI thing. But like why why do those scams like that proliferate? Because they work on at least, you know, one percent of people, right? Mm-hmm. And so I do feel like you can you know, you're you're never going to be able to eradicate every single abuse potential abuse of the technology. That's just impossible. What you want to try to do is reduce that as much as possible, mitigate, but literally any tool that can be created and is largely used for good purposes can be used for ill. ill. And we we just have to be clear-eyed about that and say, okay, well, let's try to minimize um, the amount of that happening. And you're right about every new technology gets the chicken littles all going. Uh, When I remember my mom was telling me when comic books were a big thing, Adults were very worried that it would ruin and degrade these children's lives and, you know, make them become delinquents. And uh, I think now parents would be very happy if their kids actually picked up an actual comic book and read it. (laughs) Right. That's right. Well, this is you're absolutely right. I mean, there's so many examples of this generation after generation have kind of techno panics, moral panics about new technology and and people just adapt. And again, I do think, you know, and, and do find ways to make sure that Um, that there are limits around kind of, you know, where the technology ends and their humanity begins. So when ChatGPT first came out and started making a lot of news, I, of course, went on to it. And it was funny because it asked me uh, six times in a row to verify that I am human. (laughs) The robot is wanting Uh to know that I'm actually human, so I had to check the box six times. And then I asked uh, it about me, and Mm -hmm. it got it really wrong. It said, I'm still county executive in Nassau. It said, my birthday is in March. It's in December. It said, I went to Yale. Um, I wish. It said, mm-hmm. I went to Columbia Grad School of Journalism, which is could have been true. I actually got a job at the Daily News the same day I was accepted into the program. So, of course, I took the job. Uh, right. It says, I grew up and bald when I moved there in my 20s. So I guess we really still do need those human beings. Everybody, even a robot, needs a fact checker and an editor. That's right. Uh, people have said this, that sometimes chat GPT of these tools can be confidently wrong. And, um, you know, it's interesting. And I and, and so I do think that that um, things like that will will I, I think it will be good if we all become even savvier information consumers. Right. You know, mm-hmm. so deep fakes already exist and we'll see more deep fake videos, deep fake photos. How how are we how are we can, how can, will we be able to tell that a photo is deep is a deep fake? Well, gosh, I mean there are definitely people working on should there be watermarks, should there be some kind of um, verification to prove something's real. There are people working on that, but at the base at the base level, it, we're all going to have to just apply that gut check of, gosh, do I think this is real? <laughs> you know, yeah. um, and is, is this could this possibly be real and 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 you know this this won't be real now. I think that is definitely a challenge to, you know, what I would say is like almost our shared sense of what's fact. There, that that's going to be an issue, right? I mean, we already have um, a lot of division in this country about yeah. kind of you know the way part you know, partisans of both sides sort of see the news and see facts. And is that a fact? Is that, is that true? Did it really happen? 
And, you know, it, it is probably true that deep fakes will um, exacerbate that problem. Um, so the old adage of don't always believe yeah. what you read or see holds yeah. true more now than ever. Adam Kavakovich right. of the Chamber of Progress, I want to thank you so much for coming on and having a nice, calm conversation about AI. Thanks, Thanks so much for having me. All right. You got it. Next, Cranes, New York, calls it New York's stupidest law. And some say it's one of the reasons it's so expensive to build in New York State. Next on Cut to the Chase.